Alrighty then. Um, once again, welcome to Chat with the Designers. This week's topic is uh, homebrew battery chargers. And uh, once again, our uh, uh, contributions to the, the subject material here for today. Uh, various people have sent things in and uh, Joe and I, a lot of Joe, have uh, summarized the notes. And you can look to our homepage for tonight's um, um, session for our... <clears throat> Our session notes, we have some notes that are going to guide discussion. And you would do well to kind of look on that web page, and uh, it makes it easier to kind of follow along and see our, our points. So um, we're going to be talking about homebrew battery chargers. Now, we had a couple of comments, and interesting, some interesting comments leading up to uh, the session today. And uh, people were saying, well, why didn't you just kind of list all the different battery chargers on the, on the market? And, uh, heck, you just go out and get those anyways, and you just buy it and plug it in and, and do it. Well, folks, that's not why we're here in the homebrewing, uh, the QRP homebrewing channel. What we like to do is to talk about uh, building and constructing and, um, and also using the equipment that we build. So, at the, uh, at the end of the day, everybody needs batteries from time to time. More so if you go out in the field, but even here on the bench, whether it's your... Uh, your WM1 or WM2 watt meter that you leave powered on all the time like I used to do and still do with a couple of my other uh, uh, appliances here on the bench or your homebrew widget that uh, you want to take away from the bench. It runs on a 9-volt battery plugged into your Altoid stand. You leave it turned on and whatever, and you're always buying batteries to replace it. So how about considering rechargeable batteries? Well, just as an example, we've got a an appliance that uh, we call the Micro 908, just as, a, as an example, is an antenna analyzer, a homebrew kit. And um, we accommodate uh, nickel metal hydride uh, rechargeable batteries. How do we do that? Well, there is a very small, simple charging circuit on the circuit board for the Micro 908. And um, that enables us to charge the... Um, nickel metal hydride uh, batteries that we're using inside the Micro 908 on a regular basis. And you can always be assured of uh, grabbing your antenna analyzer, going out to the antenna, up in the roof, or wherever you need to go with some fresh batteries uh, from uh, freshly charged batteries. So that's just a very simple example of, of why you might need it. And ultimately, uh, uh, the more power to you when your batteries are, are charged. So there are a number of different batteries on the market that ultimately uh, battery technologies uh, over the years. We've listed them there on our webpage, and we're going to talk about these technologies. And more specifically, of course, is what the differences are in uh, charging, whether it's the uh, amount of charge in a unit amount of time or the amount of charge totally or the way that you go about it. Um, it's all very important. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes you got to be a little bit careful. We're going to talk about uh, NICADs, nickel metal hydrides, lead acid, sealed lead acid, and uh, uh, lithium ion and lithium poly um, uh, batteries. Those That's the latest craze. And boy, you've got to treat those puppies carefully if you don't want to end up with a, um, a little uh, a, a problem on your bench, a flash fire, a little bit of an explosion or whatever. But treat your batteries nice, and uh, they'll treat you nice. Joe, do you want to kind of uh, lead into the topic a little bit? Well, George uh, mentioned the uh, 
many of the types of batteries that uh, we uh, we as uh, AMs have used. Uh, some of the more popular ones, of course, are the uh, lead acid batteries because they're relatively forgiving. They uh, have a technology that's been around for a long time and they do quite well, but uh, they're bulky and, and heavy. Uh, the nickel cads, the nickel metal hydrides, um, offer <clears throat> more power uh, in the same size and uh, space, or ultimately uh, smaller size and space, can be quite good. They have their advantages and disadvantages, but uh, they're very, very popular. Um, and of course, the latest uh, technology is lithium technology. There's several of those. Uh, every type of uh, technology we use, though, every type of charger um, needs a specific type. Now, I'll mention some exceptions to that uh, <clears throat> maybe a little bit later, but uh, there are a whole spectrum of charges you can use depending on the uh, battery chemistry. The very simplest of the chargers um, pump a constant current into, uh, into the batteries. Um, which works fine for the, uh, the lead acids and the, uh, the uh, nickel uh, technologies, but uh, you have to monitor them because you don't want to leave them too long and overcharge. Um, unfortunately, uh, batteries have uh, two things that kill them. Number one is overcharging, and uh, number two is uh, letting them go dead. Uh, they, can, they can develop... Uh, problems where they, you can't recharge them. The very simplest chargers are manual chargers where you just pump some current in and, and eventually they will charge up. <clears throat> uh, improper charging, if you try to charge them too fast uh, with any type of battery, of course you can, uh, you can add to safety problems. And um, trying, to, trying to watch the other screen while I'm uh, talking here. And scroll it, and I keep changing the size of that thing. Um, and using the, the wrong type of charger for a given chemistry can uh, can cause safety problems, generally because the batteries will overheat. Uh, and another type of uh, let me just talk about some lead acid chargers. Uh, lead acid chargers have uh, several. The the low the constant current I mentioned, the trickle charge, charges at uh, C over 10, where C is the the rated ampere hour capacity of the battery. So you just put a, a constant current source or a big resistor in series with a higher voltage so that the current you're pumping into the battery is uh, one-tenth of its uh, rated capacity. This means, uh, obviously, if it were 100% efficient, it would take 10 hours to charge the battery. Practically speaking, uh, it'll take uh, about 20 to 30% longer than that. It works. It's fairly safe, and uh, it's uh, long term. You have to take it off when your when your uh, battery is fully charged. Um, going up in uh, sophistication, a uh, uh, the the most popular type of battery charge charging for uh, lead acid cells is a two-stage uh, type charge, where you you uh, charge it with a constant current charge. Uh, much higher than C over 10 um, at, until you bring the battery voltage up to somewhere between 13.8 and 14.4 volts depending on the, uh, the exact chemistry 
and the uh, uh, temperature of the battery. And then you, you uh, this is fully charged at this point. And then you uh, go over to a full charge that prov provides a high uh, constant voltage on there in the area of 13.2 to 13.8 volts. This will um, this will keep the thing uh, um, at a constant state of charge, but not overcharging. You can leave it uh, with that full charge forever and not damage the battery, and you'll know that it's uh, it's always up to snuff. And another type of charger, uh, particularly good with lead acid chargers, is a uh, solar charger that uh, approximate the, uh, the two-stage charging method. I'm not going to say an awful lot about it, but there are a number of circuits. If I get to the references at the end, I'll discuss where some of these circuits are. So that's it for lead acid uh, chargers. Let me let me uh, turn it back to George and let him uh, ping the group to see if there are questions. Thanks, Joe. That was a good uh, good start off there. Are there any questions relative to uh, the lead acid? I think well, the, the sealed lead acid batteries are very common. Um, I'm looking here on the bench. I've got three, four, five, six of them. And I got to tell you, Joe, the most uh, uh, personally here, uh, the, the, these batteries go south on me. I think batteries in general, only because I'm I'm, I'm so religious about charging them at first, but then I forget. And then they sit there and they self-discharge. And then when I finally remember to go back to them, they're um, they're gonzo. They just don't either take a charge or don't hold it very long. So that's that's the problem that I experience with these. But they're very popular, and uh, take them out to the field. And and gosh, I can't I can't remember a field day when I didn't take those things along. Anyways, any questions so far on uh, uh, lead acid uh, uh, charging um, circuits and the approach? Anybody not understand the C over 10 thing that we're talking about? Well, I, I, I know that, uh, Joe, could you just elaborate that on, on that C over 10 rate just a little bit more? Give a practical example. Um, for such a simple concept, it was, it was strange at first, and I didn't really understand it, and everybody just... Uh, um, abbreviated and talked about it when I was starting out and just see charge it at C over 10 and I didn't know what C over 10 was so can you give us a another two sentences on that one certainly uh, yeah the idea is that uh, uh, at least for lead acid batteries and, and some of the others um, they're rated in uh, uh, ampere hours uh, of service some of the common ones I'm trying to think uh, George has a little little red uh, pack that has a it's a belt pack with a, a strap on it, shoulder strap rather, that has a, uh, a sealed lead acid battery in there, and that has a um, uh, an ampere hour capacity of um, I believe it's four or five. What that means is it will provide an ampere for um, the rated uh, five hours, for example. Um, before it gets down to a uh, uh, state where it's discharged. It's a rough approximation. Um, so in that case, since C is 5, uh, C over 10 would be a half amp. So in other, in other words, to recharge it, um, a simple way is just to pump in a uh, constant current, however you get it, uh, half an amp here. And in about um, 10 hours, it'll be close to fully charged. 
figuring the inefficiency of charge in about 12 hours will be fully charged. And that's what that's all about. Perfect. Thanks, Joe. And it's uh, pretty straightforward. If you look at the circuits on the web page that we have, and um, you work out the current that you need for the C over 10 rate, um, it should be pretty simple to uh, trickle charge your your lead acid uh, batteries. Um, but as you said, it takes longer. So there's where some of the of the um, intelligence comes in with the Maha chargers and some of the others in that they charge fast for a certain period of time. I'm just re recapping what you said. Monitoring the temperature of the battery to make sure that it doesn't get uh, too hot and thus uh, uh, destroy itself or, or you. And then uh, when it gets close to the terminal voltage, it starts backing off the charge rate more toward a, t a trickle rate. But that's going to increase the, um, um, the, the decrease the amount of time it's taken to charge your battery. Um, okay, let's move on to, uh, to the next one, Joe. Yeah, uh, first, Bruce, um, Bruce, did you have something? Um, yeah, I just before uh, before you go on, Joe, I just wanted to toss in here um, as far as the uh, the constant current charging goes. I have in the past um, made very simple uh, circuits It's a very easy way to uh, make a constant current source. And um, a lot of times you wouldn't you wouldn't think about it this way, but uh, uh, stop and consider. We all know the uh, the little three terminal voltage regulators, um, the LM you know seventy eight oh five the five volt voltage regulator. I strip those off of old circuit boards all the time, and sometimes they have a little heat sink attached. In fact, I just got through uh, uh, dismantling a uh, one thousand uh, VA UPS that yielded some nice batteries and uh, also some nice uh, some nice components. And included in the control circuitry was a uh, a couple of five volt regulators. Well, one of my uh, previous jobs, I had need for uh, several constant current sources to uh, keep a set of batteries um, or get them charged uh, while they were waiting to go into these uh, Geiger counters that we used at a research facility, and they had uh, they had battery backup, a twelve volt sealed lead acid battery inside. So what I did was, um, if you take a five volt uh, voltage regulator and these are these are dirt simple and you calculate a uh, a load resistor for that that will say draw the amount of current that you want to put into your battery let's just say it's uh it's 100 milliamps just to to make the math easy so if you take 5 volts and divide it by 100 milliamps the uh, the output um, voltage that you want or rather the output current that you want you find that uh, that's what 50 ohms. So a 50 ohm resistor across the output of a 5 volt uh, uh, regulator is going to cause um, 100 milliamps to flow through that resistor. Well, if instead of connecting the ground lead of the uh, the regulator directly to ground in your circuit, if you put the battery you're interested in charging in the ground lead, then um, as long as you have sufficient headroom in the uh, the raw DC voltage that you're applying to your circuit, what's going to happen is that voltage regulator is going to try and maintain uh, 5 volts across that 50 ohm resistor and therefore 100 milliamps. And uh, since you've got your battery in the uh, the ground lead um, there, so the, uh, the resistor is from the output terminal to the ground terminal 
on the uh, three terminal regulator, if you put your battery in the ground lead, as long as you have sufficient headroom, let's say you're charging a 12 volt battery, five volts headroom for the uh, regulator, and maybe another volt and a half headroom um, for the uh, the regulator's requirements, as long as you've got a raw DC supply that puts out about 18 volts or so, <clears throat> you've just created essentially a uh, 100 milliamp constant current source that can uh, be used to uh, you know simply make uh, a constant current supply instead of figuring it out with, with discrete components as uh, you know the example you show on your web page there. So I just want to toss that out there and hopefully that wasn't too uh, too confusing and people can kind of visualize um, what I just explained but I have used that to advantage in uh, a few different circumstances. So uh, back to you George and then uh, on to Joe. Yeah, thanks, Bruce. Don't don't you also don't you still need to watch how long you apply that that uh, constant 100 mils uh, to the battery as the charging current? Yes, absolutely. Because as uh, as Joe explained and you mentioned before, that anytime you're using a simple constant current supply to charge a battery, um, you have to make sure that when the battery gets to its uh, its float voltage or that you've uh, 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 dumped in enough ampere hours as you as you will um, that you want that you know you've got to be able to provide some way to disconnect it so it's not something that you would leave on constantly because there's no automatic switchover and this may be one of the reasons why people don't think about designing their own charging circuits um, because of the fact that you to be practical I mean we're dealing with humans humans forget to disconnect things forget to turn things off so that's why it's nice to have some kind of automatic unit that either switches it over to a float voltage or um, or uh, somehow you know uh, limits it so that you don't overcharge the battery so that is absolutely a uh, risk in any simple constant current circuit um, something that we need to be aware of when we're musing about the different possibilities of uh, how to charge batteries great point and there's also some um, integrated circuits that are inexpensive and out there but of course it takes a little bit more than just uh, a couple of wires and a couple of components um, but these integrated circuits are, are smart charging circuits what I'll do is uh, in a moment look around I think um, KD1JV has some on his website and uh, maybe even Joe listed some in the in the uh, web links here that we provided but uh, th those can be handy, and, and they're, uh, again, if you're able to kind of whip up a circuit using those, so much the better, too, because it takes care of that uh, amount of charging current versus time versus sensed capacity or sensed terminal voltage, and um, you don't have to be quite as uh, quite as careful. Um, okay, Joe, Joe said that he sent me a link with uh, those charger ICs. I'll have to get that. Okay, Joe, do you want to take it away for um, the next uh, uh, the next type of battery technology? Actually, I think I'd like to take a short step here. Um, Frank, uh, K3PUU um, asked for an amplification or mentioned it, asked if I wanted to amplify on um, ampere hour capacity, how it's calculated. Uh, why not turn it over to you, Frank, and you give us a... Uh, short synopsis. I'm sure you know a lot about it. Thanks, Joe. Uh, am I making it through okay? Sounds good. All right, very good. Um, what I was driving at, it, it it's uh, not exactly intuitive until you start reading some battery specs and battery literature. 
but it's important to note that when you're dealing with lead acid batteries, the capacity rating or C as, as we've been talking here uh, is typically what's known as the 20 hour rate, which is the discharge rate. Uh, in other words, if you had a battery rated for 10 amp hours, uh, it's not going to produce necessarily one amp for 10 hours. Uh, it's going to produce 10 amp hours if you draw that over a period of 20 hours. And, and I think that's something that's pretty important for people to understand when they want to start getting uh, a better handle on some of the chemistry. Excellent point. Yeah, I kind of glossed over that. Uh, uh, I will make a little reference if we have time a little bit later to that. There's a, um, there's a paper that is in our bibliography that talks about that, but thank you. Um, any uh, other comments on, uh, on this, on lead acid batteries and the chargers? I've got a comment uh, on uh, NICADs, uh, a very simple way of uh, using uh, NPN transistor and a resistor uh, for charging a NICAD and also getting a, sort of a constant voltage out, uh, whether it's on charge or whether in fact it's uh, just the battery um, by itself. If, you like, if you'd like to get a description, I'll give it quickly. Actually, uh, yeah, go ahead. But uh, I, I have a um, some simple NICAD chargers which use a transistor to do that. If um, I guess you don't have the the web page uh, reference, but uh, it's on there. In fact, why don't we wait till I finish the uh, the NICAD topic, and then uh, then we can amplify it by you. Um, <clears throat> NICADs and nickel metal hydride are similar in their characteristics, although there are some differences. Um, NICADs are really good at cold temperature. They don't have as high capacity as the nickel metal hydrides. And uh, they, uh, NICADs also have a uh, higher short circuit current, or they have lower internal resistance, so they can supply higher current. But the nickel metal hydrides have become popular lately because a lot of them have a, a high um, ampere hour capacity, uh, which we've discussed. And uh, they're very good. You can use a constant uh, current charger with them also with the same proviso that you can't leave it on there forever. Um, uh, and you charge at C over 10, um, the uh, ampere, rated ampere hour capacity over 10, for something like 12 hours to charge them up. Now, if you're talking about a um, uh, typically uh, a uh, nickel metal hydride double A will have a uh, two and a half ampere hour capacity, that means that if you charge them at C over 10, it's going to take 25 hours plus 20% more, uh, so about 30 hours. So you'd have to leave them on overnight to fully charge them. Um, there are fast chargers, uh, both commercial fast chargers and some integrated circuits that do a much better job because, as George pointed out earlier, they can monitor the, um, the charging state of the battery, uh, either a cell or a pack. And uh, really good ones also monitor cell temperature so that they can pump energy in very quickly scale it back if uh, it looks like the battery is overheating. And then uh, when the full charge is reached, they go back to, as, uh, as with, similar to the lead acid batteries, they go back to a very slow charge rate just to keep the cells uh, up. 
the uh, circuits for them get a little fussy. Uh, the best thing is to use integrated circuits. And uh, if we had the other references, uh, there are a number of companies that make very good uh, uh, charging ICs that uh, you can use to make a very simple, sophisticated charger, and that's what I'd recommend. I included a couple schematics in the references on the uh, on the web page. Um, one is um, these are actually both from the uh, Micro 908 that uh, uh, takes in a nominal 12 volts. And uh, I have two circuits. The first circuit is a multi-section circuit, which has a, uh, a diode in there that goes directly to, uh, to the circuitry in there through a switch. Um, and if the voltage is above the internal battery voltage, uh, the, the unit will draw its power um, directly through that diode bypassing the uh, internal battery. Um, the battery inside is an eight uh, cell pack and the NICADs are nickel metal hydride. And that's further isolated by two more diodes um, so that if the, uh, there is no input voltage, I'm sorry, when there is input voltage, uh, in addition to supplying the 12 volts to the unit, um, the, the internal battery will be charged also. And uh, there's just a simple resistor in there, which gives you something less than C over 10 so that you don't cook the battery. And then uh, if the 12 volts, the external 12 volts is removed, there's another diode that connects the battery there and disconnects all the uh, external power jack and such so that you can power it internally. A very simple charger, uh, unsophisticated. Uh, the charge varies widely with, uh, with the applied voltage. A little simpler, um, I'm not going to go into real detail, but it is a, uh, a transistor biased with a, uh, an LED and a resistor in its emitter to produce a, a pseudo-constant current source of about 100 mils. And it has its own uh, isolation diodes to uh, power the unit directly um, when an external battery is applied or if the, uh, and at the same time charge the internal battery. And if the external voltage is uh, disconnected, uh, the unit's powered via the eight double A's. You can get away with this uh, because uh, if you use an external voltage source higher than the battery voltage, you can both power the unit and uh, you have enough headroom to operate the charger. But a very simple circuit, uh, it can be modified for other voltages, but for this application it worked well. I think this is similar to what you were talking about, Russ. Uh, do you want to fill us in on uh, the charger you were mentioning? Yeah, the, the charger I was mentioning actually is uh, similar, but even simpler. Um, it consists of uh, V-in and uh, a resistor from V-in down to the battery. From the battery, you go to a base of a NPN transistor. So the base actually is effectively biased by the battery voltage. The collector of the NPN transistor returns directly to V in, and the output to your um, um, unit receiver or whatever uh, comes from the emitter of the uh, NPN. So in effect, the uh, receiver or whatever is being driven 
via the base emitter junction of the um, transistor when the battery is solely being employed, just so the bit, uh, base emitter junction is just acting as a diode. And when the um, V-in, um, the main source, um, if you like, is active, then the transistor is effectively an emitter follower. So the output voltage effectively to your receiver, whatever, in fact, doesn't really vary at all. It's virtually a, a steady voltage, irrespective of whether the battery is effectively on, ch on trickle charge or whether the battery is doing the work. So uh, did that come over clear enough? Over? Yeah, that is a uh, that's pretty clear and it's very simple. That's a uh, that's another way to do a, uh, a trickle charger, but uh, indeed you do get the uh, the benefit of having the uh, um, uh, a simpler circuit for both charging and uh, and operating the circuitry. I've not seen that, but that is a it is a clever uh, clever circuit. Thank you very much. Well, I've used that for about the last 20 years, and uh, as long as you keep an eye on the, 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 the base resistor there, so that uh, you don't exceed the uh, um, CO over 10 charge there, then everything's fine and dandy. Yeah, Russ, I have a question about that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Russ, this is Bruce, N1RX. The question I would have is, uh, what about concerns of uh, the, uh, the current handling capacity capacity of the uh, the base emitter junction have you ever, you ever used this for anything that uh, drew any kind of substantial current yeah well if you use a power transistor um yeah you shouldn't have really too much trouble um obviously you can't sort of take amps out of the thing but uh, if you if you're talking about hundreds of milliamps with a power transistor there shouldn't be any problem with uh, uh, base current yeah, very interesting. Well, thanks very much. I may have to play with that sometime myself. Yeah, well, the beauty is that the output voltage virtually is independent of whether the battery's on charge uh, or whether the battery's sort of working full time. I mean, obviously, it varies by a few millivolts, but uh, not that much. Go ahead. Yeah, very good. Thank you. All right, Russ, thanks a lot for the contribution there. appreciate it. Um, Rick, K3IND, you had a question. Uh, I think you tried to break in a couple of times. Uh, is this still uh, on the table? I was just wondering if you might uh, address one other thing that I I used to uh, work with uh, RC models uh, and where batteries, of course, are having a high current density are absolutely necessary these days. I was curious for each of the battery types. Uh, what their uh, resistance to cold weather is. I've uh, had at least one piece of electronic equipment fail and have to go back to the uh, manufacturer because uh, I left it out overnight in the car and all of a sudden uh, it didn't want to recharge. That's a good question, Rick. Um, Bruce, um, do you have any experience with the temperature uh, side of things, either cold or hot? Well, generally um, speaking, I, I I don't have good hard numbers for you, but generally speaking, you know, heat is uh, is an enemy of uh, so many things, including uh, including batteries. I think virtually all of them will say you have diminished capacity um, if you uh, allow the battery to get overheated. Uh, in the course of my work, I've had uh, opportunity to um, pull a significant number of uh, lead acid batteries out of uh, 
uh, uninterruptible power supplies before they reach their end use of their their or the end of their useful life. A lot of times they're they're pulled out of service depending on the application when there's still uh, you know 50, 60, 70 percent of the life left in the battery, and that's a source of good and expensive batteries for a lot of uh, ham radio operators. Um, I have made the mistake, however, of uh, leaving uh, lead-acid batteries out in my garage, my unheated garage, and uh, that's a uh, that's a recipe for doom here in the uh, the the cold uh, northern New England that I live in. Uh, if a battery is allowed to uh, to freeze as well as overheat, it's a uh, it's a problem. I remember in the old days of uh, um, some cameras. We had the, I'm not sure what the battery chemistry is, was at the time. It may have been lead acid, but we had special holders that allowed you to, uh, for, for cameras, to keep the batteries under your armpit while still uh, connected to the, uh, the battery for, uh, um, uh, for use because uh, you'd get diminished capacity in, uh, in cold weather, and that's fairly common. So uh, uh, that, can be, uh, that can be trouble. Again, I don't have hard, fast uh, numbers, but uh, extremes in temperature, either too hot or too cold, can definitely be bad. How about your experience, Joe? Yeah, I don't have uh, much experience with, um, with lead acids. I know that they do lose, so, but I uh, worked in the uh, two-way radio industry for a while, and um, the, uh, the best batteries we were using, this is back 20-some uh, years ago, best batteries we used were the nickel cards. They, um, they tended to hold up well under cold temperature conditions. The uh, alkaline batteries and the carbon zinc batteries uh, were very poor, and uh, you could damage uh, lead-acid batteries in their cold. Um, nickel metal hydrides were not bad, but uh, it was hard to beat the uh, nickel cadmium cells. They were the best overall performers. I suspect these days some of the uh, the lithium chemistries are probably uh, probably right up there too. Yeah, it seems like uh, it's it's generally the case. So, uh, the moral of the story is to keep a temperate uh, temperature, not too hot, not too cold. Sort of like the bear in the middle, looking for the battery of just the right temperature. Okay, any questions? Uh, uh, at this point here by anybody. Yeah, break. Hi, Dennis. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I just uh, sort of curious. I've had lots of experience with uh, batteries, and I'm always wondering whether NICADs, you had to let them run down until they were basically discharged uh, in order to charge them back up. Uh, does that same thing apply to lithium or the lithium ions, or should you recharge those whenever you've uh, used up any of the capacity and not wait till it gets really low? That's a great question, and I, I was had that on my list here, Joe. Could you kind of uh, go through that, not just on that one question, but in general as far as uh, capacity versus uh, uh, charge rate or recharge rate? In general, yeah. Well, uh, lead acids, you don't want to get too low unless they're deep discharge types, you can recharge them from anything. <clears throat> so in the early nickel CAD supposedly had a memory effect that way, but anything produced in the last 20 years really does not have that problem. They have no, they don't remember their charge state, uh, whether it was high or low, uh, you can recharge them from anything, not, not losing the capacity. Nickel metal hydrides are the same thing. Um, 
I can't speak with a lot of uh, authority on the lithium chemistries. Uh, some of the ones I've used have been very specific ones for military applications, and they absolutely did not have that issue. Um, and in fact, I have a um, I have an iPod Touch also that uh, tells you the the charging um, programs that the applications you get tell you to take it down to 20% or so before you charge up. Um, other units, other um, warnings with other consumer appliances don't say that. So there may be some particular lithium chemistries that require you to take them way down for recharging. But in general, most of the batteries you get these days, uh, rechargeables, uh, don't have that prohibition anymore. Alrighty, good stuff, Joe. Um, Dennis, did that kind of address your question? Actually, what I was more uh, uh, trying to target was how how much um, if if you got a lithium ion or even a nickel metal hydride, and you've only used twenty percent of the capacity, should you recharge it, or are you fairly safe in using another twenty percent to get it down to sixty? I'm I'm looking at what level should you automatically put it in the charger or could you just put it in the charger anytime? Um, I, I don't know if that makes it a little more specific. Over. Yeah, in general, in general uh, most, of, most of it's not a problem. I think Bruce wants to uh, chime in, but the one thing that uh, makes you want to take it down quite far is the total number of charge cycles. If you don't take a down, they, they have a finite number of times they can be recharged. So if you get in the habit of taking it only down 20% recharging it, you use some up, use, use up some of the recharge um, lifetime of the battery. So that, that it's not a bad practice, if you can, to let it go down a bit to 50% or so before you recharge. So you'll be recharging it uh, less often. and. Uh, you won't use up the uh, the reservoir of uh, charge discharge cycles. Yeah, that's what I wanted to know. Alrighty, thank you. Tedros, yeah, Tedros. Just, yeah, thanks. Just going to toss a little bit because um, uh, the question I think you specifically were mentioning uh, lithium and lithium ion. Uh, the, when we say lithium batteries, we cover a, a number of uh, similar chemistries here: lithium ion, uh, lithium polymer, lithium iron phosphate. Um, but I do know that uh, the I've been using lithium ion and lithium polymer batteries myself in some applications uh, for some of my portable operation for some time because of the relatively high uh, power density in terms of uh, watt hours per kilogram that you get out of them compared with uh, with lead acid batteries. Of course, as um, we kind of mentioned early on, and we haven't really gotten into too much, that the care and feeding of these sometimes can be uh, a little problematic. You have to be careful. The, uh, the lithium iron phosphate, uh, the current new batteries um, from people like A123 Systems and others um, are more forgiving, uh, less likely to, uh, to fail catastrophically as there are some uh, YouTube videos that uh, generally show, uh, you know, batteries that have been abused by the radio controlled uh, helicopter and airplane crowd when we're talking about huge discharge currents and, and not using care and charging. But however, um, the consensus from the uh, the lithium battery manufacturers 
seems to be that in terms of uh, self-discharge, um, it's best not to store the lithium-ion battery completely charged. And um, I can I can point to uh, perhaps a couple of websites here that I can post down in the uh, the bottom that talk about some of this, where um, it's actually better to store the uh, lithium-ion battery if you're going to store it long term um, with something like uh, 30 to uh, 40 percent of its capacity removed. So they don't like to be charged fully stored. It's actually safer to store them at a say uh, 60 to 70 percent charge. Um, so I don't know if that uh, completely answers your question, but it just does uh, point out one of the differences between battery chemistries and that the lithium ions, they prefer uh, not to be topped off before storage, where we like to think of the uh, uh, standby deep cycle sealed lead acid batteries that are used in UPSs or emergency lighting and those types of things, which are typically kept at uh, full charge all the time. Lithium ion um, specifically um, safer to store at a lower charge level, uh, where George, you know, where you mentioned, um, you know, the 56 to 60% charge there, um, that's, that's specific for lithium battery chemistry. The sealed lead acids, I think generally still do better when, uh, when topped off to their normal float voltage. And that varies a little bit by, uh, by manufacturer and by actual, uh, construction. So, uh, hopefully that helps, uh, a little bit on your question. It sounds like we got it covered there. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, Bruce, before we move back to Joe for the wrap-up, uh, heading on to lithium batteries, um, I'm specifically um, wondering where yeah, – you said you service um, <clears throat> um, security systems and security lighting systems, and it's a good source for the uh, sealed lead acid uh, batteries. seems to me that I've seen someplace that there are companies you can go to and – they might be online or on eBay or something, but where's a good source for, how would you go about uh, getting several of those? Um, are, there comp are there security companies that have those regularly kind of in the disposal or recycling uh, uh, bins or, or what? Well, what I would suggest is um, uh, checking your, uh, your local uh, uh, yellow pages perhaps for uh, security companies or companies that offer uh, uh, fire protection services or uh, burglar alarms or uh, those types of uh, uh, security companies that offer alarm monitoring and so forth. A lot of times when people have like these uh, ADT home security systems, that sort of thing, they have uh, lead acid batteries that may be on a maintenance program that are swapped out. So um, I would do a little bit of uh, hunting around in your local uh, uh, a business community and see if there isn't something nearby because one of the biggest problems with uh, sealed lead acid batteries is is just uh, shipping them you know the costs associated with uh, buying a battery from somebody and then uh, getting it shipped out to you can add considerably to the cost so if you can find a local source perhaps somebody in the security industry uh, you may be onto something and certainly if they've got a large supply you may end up being the guy who can help out some of your other uh, local hams as well great information thanks um, Joe, let's, uh, let's take it on the final quarter hour here and talk about our favorite topic, yours and mine, lithium batteries and the care and feeding of, uh, such, uh, batteries and, uh, maybe even some charging mechanisms that are, or at least charging considerations that need to be done. Lithium batteries are very popular these days, um, but you need to treat them a little bit differently than the old 
nickel metal hydride, NICADs, and lead acid batteries of uh, days of yore. Okay, I can't uh, can't claim to be a real expert on uh, lithium batteries. In fact, you might say, in some cases, I might have some uh, uh, decreased performance in talking about them, but and not due to temperature. I I can specifically tell you that uh, the lithium chemistries were number of them that uh, Bruce mentioned. Uh, each one has uh, special charges due to their, their specific uh, uh, chemistries and the charge conditions they take. Um, they are made specifically by the manufacturers for their products. Uh, and if you want to roll your own, the best thing to do is to uh, look at, into some of the special purpose integrated circuits that are made for charging them. At the end of um, the uh, reference material that was on the web page and included in some of the stuff that uh, George has put up. There are some other references. Uh, uh, there are a couple of really good uh, things I'll talk about in just a sec, but um, there are special techniques that um, you have to take and poor charging can lead to some extreme safety hazards, which I have uh, experienced firsthand. I have seen a uh, some lithium um, uh, batteries that happen to be lithium thionyl chloride, but uh, very high uh, energy lithium batteries that happen to um, be charged in the wrong way and they went into a thermal runaway condition. And a thing the size of a uh, orange juice can went off and basically cleared everything off a, a workbench. Very fortunately, there was no one in the shop when it happened but uh, the top of the workbench was black and everything from the workbench was thrown all over the place and the, the battery case hit the wall, cinder block wall, and when it hit the block wall, it cracked the cinder block and there was a splotch of black about, uh, uh, about a foot in diameter. So they, they can be very bad if you don't charge them properly. Also in the, in the, um, the notes we had on the webpage, there's a, some example of charging states of lithium ion. This, this I stole from another website. But at any rate, um, uh, stage one of charging is a constant current um, where the, the battery is subjected to a constant current. The voltage slowly rises um, to, uh, well, it says constant current, it's not really constant current, but the voltage slowly rises to its final value. And then you reach a saturation charge state where the voltage remains constant for several hours. And um, then the, the notes on it say that you terminate the charge when the current falls down to less than 3% of the rated current. And then you have to let the darn thing sit for some period of time. They indicate about a, a, a half hour here until you go into standby mode where you return to uh, pumping a little bit of current into it. It's really dependent on the terminal voltage of the battery. The ICs uh, sense when this happens and uh, go to these various states. There are some excellent uh, references at the end in, in terms of uh, what to do. Uh, I would not put an ordinary charger on lithium because I can certainly see what happens when you do. I have, I've seen it firsthand. Um, company called Linear Technology has some very excellent integrated circuits for the various, uh, all of the 
the battery uh, technologies uh, that you can make some pretty simple uh, chargers with. Uh, in general, they're available from DigiKey, probably Mauser also, but I certainly recommend that. Um, also, in the app notes, uh, in in the notes are some other uh, application notes from various manufacturers, and a a uh, very good paper for hams that's available uh, was produced by uh, um, his name escapes me at the moment. Uh, Dr. Megacycle, KK6MC, um, talked about batteries and charging systems. And uh, that's available from the WA0ITP uh, website. I'd recommend that. I'm looking over the, uh, the other references here to get a uh, flavor of what you want to do for chargers. Um, and then when, you, when you've read all that, you get very confused. Go back to the KK6MC. He has some very practical uh, advice on some simple charges you can do to uh, get yourself in shape and if you really want to use the lithium uh, any of the lithium chemistries do some research into the type you're uh, you're going to uh, use and look at some of the manufacturers uh, websites to uh, to get their uh, recommended circuits so that you can do it safely and effectively yeah, great advice there, Joe. I don't know, has anybody had any experience with uh, uh, any good or bad experience with lithium uh, um, batteries and charging them for your projects on the bench? Yeah, I used to work uh, as an applications engineer for National Semiconductor, and one of the things we made was chargers for uh, mobile phone systems, usually integrated with other um, power supply systems. And uh, just a comment on the um, uh, the, the the circuit there on the, the diagram there, if I may, uh, over. Yeah, sure. Yeah, one of the um, the things that um, lithium-ion batteries don't like is being discharged to very low voltages. Most of them have, a, well, they all have some sort of protection circuit in them, which um, if it's uh, the battery is heavily discharged, that will uh, that will trip and the battery will appear to, to be completely dead in that condition, uh, you won't be able to measure an output voltage. Normally by um, uh, applying a small uh, low current charge, uh, charging voltage to it, it will reset the, the safety circuit. But the other thing about very low discharge on them is that um, I, I think it's their internal resistance that rises a bit. So, you know, the stage that you're showing is, is the, the stage one of charging uh, where you have a constant current. It's actually usually preceded in, in these conditions by um, a, a conditioning charge, which is at a much lower current, and that's um, kept on until the voltage rises to a particular threshold, around two, two and a half volts, something like that, and then it goes into the fast charge state. It's just a, a protection again because of the high internal resistance, and then after that it, it follows the same pattern. It's, it's charged at constant current until a, a preset uh, trigger voltage and then switch to constant voltage uh, and allowed to just allowed the, the current to drop as, as you show in the diagram. Uh, that was really all I had to say at the moment if anybody's got any comments. So. Oh, it's quite interesting Morgan. Thanks a lot for sharing that uh, your experience. I think that uh, I think the complexities of well, what you just went through Although straightforward, it's still not as straightforward as it is charging nickel metal hydride. So I think most people um, 
most homebrewers are sticking with uh, the simpler techniques. And, and actually, you know, I was just doing a quick search on um, homebrew lithium battery chargers, and there are not that many around. So um, I, I think that's just another example of, uh, of, of either some of the, the newness of the technology or, and, and certainly the caution that one needs to take uh, when dealing with this. Um, I posted a question on the text um, on the text portion down here on the, on the screen. I'm looking for the name of a company. It was a hobbyist company, sort of like, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, um, oh, just a hobbyist company that supplied electronics and gadgets and whatnot from, and they were British some uh, eight to ten years ago. Seems like an ancient time ago, but sometimes these companies stay around. And they used to have some nice battery packs. Um, a New Jersey QRP member who's now Silent Key, Dave Quillam, um, he brought a bunch and was a great proponent of, of those. And he was able to kind of uh, bring them into the club and share some of them around. And I'm wondering if anybody kind of remembers what the, that uh, company might be, or if there is another hobbyist type company that um, sells, conveniently sells uh, lithium batteries and charters. There is a company, um, I think it's called the Small Battery Company, uh, that does sell a range of um, lithium batteries, uh, but they're mostly, um, you know, replacement batteries for phones and uh, video, video cameras and that sort of thing. But you can get the small... Um, um, CVR three type rechargeable cells. I think you can get them in most um, uh, hobby stores in the states as well. But that's the only ones I know about uh, over. Yeah, okay, it was worth a shot. Sometimes uh, people are or guys are right on top of uh, some of these things. Uh, Dennis is a good example of that with the New Jersey QRP Club. Whenever we have our meetings in person. He uh, tends to find the good things to, to bring the little bargains at some of these places that are handy for our workbench and, and uh, whatnot. Um, um, just, just, yes, Rick, go ahead. Uh, I wanted to go off on a slight tangent. Um, a lot of us buy electric power tools that are obviously battery operated. And there was a time, and I don't know whether that time is still now, uh, when we would just you would just tend to go ahead and plug in the charger, leave it on, and maybe a couple of weeks later you'd use the tool, and you would find after some time that uh, it would not take a charge, uh, nor would it deliver any significant amount of current. And I did some research on the internet at that when I had that experience, and there seemed to be a whole uh, uh, I don't know what to say. A, a, a great disagreement as to whether there was some treatment you could apply to the batteries, such as shorting it out briefly or some other thing, uh, that would bring them back to life. Uh, and there was another side of the issue that said that was uh, impossible. Is this just some kind of uh, internet uh, rumor? Well, I, I don't know, and somebody else can speak up in a moment, but I certainly wouldn't use the internet as, a, as an absolute authoritative source on uh, things of, of this nature and short in a battery and bring it down to zero volts or whatever doesn't seem too smart to me. Um, a question that, that I thought you were going to ask would be, was written also on the tip of my tongue. And that essentially is, uh, 
that we most of us have these kinds of rechargeable battery packs in the, in the, in our in our back room shops or whatever little battery packs that slap into uh, a drill or a mini saw or universal universal type of uh, thing and they have nice little chargers that you can drop um, drop them into um, Joe I'm wondering um, relative to Rick's question as well as to my question as far as use of that uh, whether uh, I, th I think there are different technologies available as I recall and lithium I think this I've seen lithium charging packs for portable drills, cordless drills, uh, being uh, right there. And of course, with chargers, would those be a good, uh, if, if one could build an instrument for the bench, you know, a homebrew widget and utilize one of those battery packs, they'd look about the size of uh, maybe a five amp hour uh, uh, gel cell that we normally use. Yeah, they'd be good uh, battery packs if they have the right output voltage. Um, yeah, indeed. Um, there is a, uh, at least some folks that I have uh, spoken with on the West Coast who use some of the um, lithium, burrow, whatever that uh, Bruce mentioned, uh, batteries from uh, Bosch drills. And they use those packs, those very packs, um, in series to run um, electric bikes. Um, that can be a good source. I would not muck around with the other chargers, but as long as you use their charger or their charger circuitry with their batteries, it could be a good source of uh, um, very compact, uh, high, high energy density battery packs for, uh, for our ham rigs too, yeah. Okay, good point. As a last uh, question, um, before we really wrap it up this evening, we're at the hour, at the top of the hour. Um, what about Rick's comment about any special treatment that can be used to rejuvenate uh, either lithium-ion or NICADs or um, other cells that have um, seen better days? That's Brooks. No. Go ahead. Yeah, NICADs, you can sometimes recover them if they've gone short circuit by them. Um, Zapping them with a with a charged capacitor, maybe several times the uh, the rated voltage of the cell, and uh, you can you can uh, um, what's causing uh, the, the problem usually is little um, dendrites that grow across the insulating area, and you can zap these out with a with a high voltage capacitor. But you need to be very very quick and just uh, charge the cap up and zap it onto the battery. That can sometimes recover them for a, a little while. But I've never tried it with uh, nickel metal hydrides, only NICADs. That's uh, all I've tried it with. It does work occasionally. Brooks? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, I think I know where Rick's thing is coming from. I have a, back in the, uh, maybe 20 years ago, a lot of experience with uh, NICADs where there's a phenomenon that a lot of y'all are probably familiar with called polarity reversal. And if you have a series package where you have a number of NICAD cells stacked together to get the voltage you're trying to, and you would you would see this a lot in uh, aircraft starter batteries and high power uh, requirements on aircraft. And if you have them in series and somebody does like George says, and you let them run all the way down as a package, then 
a lot of times there was a weak cell that just wasn't as good as the rest of the cells and it causes what's known as, as polarity reversal and once that happens you cannot recharge that series chain in its series configuration and what you end up having to do is gain access to each of the cells and then very very carefully as George indicates it you know shorting a, a battery cell particularly with the high power one is a recipe for disaster but there was a controlled technique that was used where you would bring them down to a relatively low voltage then put them uh, into a device where it took them down even lower with a resistance in the path and then finally you did indeed actually short the cells individually out then once you had brought all of them to zero then you could take all the shorting bars off and you could in fact uh, almost always recover the entire battery it was done because those batteries were very very expensive and very high performance and more often than not if if they had been accidentally discharged like George is saying where somebody went off and left some equipment turned on and drained them down then polarity reversal actually did happen but that technique is probably not applicable to anything other than those NICADs that were in fact kind of a liquid you know normal NICAD the liquid was, liquid was in a media surrounding the battery parts and those on aircraft were often uh, actually had liquid in them if you're ever recovering batteries and you see one that has a plastic cell in there with liquid in it don't assume that the thing is a lead acid battery uh, because there were many liquid cell NICAD batteries out there. Yeah, I, I can uh, definitely endorse what um, uh, Brooks has just said with uh, conventional AA cells as well. You find the the particular A cell in the AA cell in the chain, which is either reverse or is showing zero volts, and uh, you can zap that and bring it up to. Um, one and a quarter, whatever it is, volts again, and uh, it uh, usually recovers the whole chain after that. Alrighty. Thanks an awful lot, guys. That's a good topic. I think I'm going to look into that, too, as my uh, my comment I just stated uh, in the text section of the of the webpage here, uh, of the TeamSpeak page. Um, uh, let's see. Larry had a question. We'll use this as the final question here for the day. How far can a lead acid battery that has not been deep dis that is not deep discharge type be discharged without damaging the battery. Uh, Joe or Bruce, you want to take that? Go ahead, Bruce. Okay, well, there's um, some different uh, um, different ratings as far as what's called DOD, depth of discharge, on the uh, on lead acid cells. And um, I think what you'll find is that for a battery that's not meant to be discharged deeply, and for example, um, you know, a standard car battery is really not meant to be discharged to any great depth. Uh, an automotive uh, car starting battery is, is meant to supply a huge amount of current for a short period of time and then get topped off again. So I was just, uh, I, I saw Larry's question down there and was just trying to do a quick little search to refresh my own memory. 
but um, I'm pretty sure that you typically don't want uh, depth of discharge uh, below something like uh, uh, 50% on a, a non-deep cycle battery. The figure may even be closer to 40% for uh, the longevity of it. If you go down into a 60% depth of discharge, then you're really going to start limiting the uh, the overall lifetime of the battery and the number of uh, uh, discharge cycles. But uh, my memory's a little foggy about the exact number. So, uh, uh, Joe, I don't know. Do you have any uh, specific uh, recollection on that? No, the numbers you, uh, you talk about are uh, about right, yeah. And the penalty of, uh, of uh, taking them down too far is permanently diminished capacity. Yeah, Dennis? Yep, go ahead, Dennis. Um, I have read somewhere about uh, lead-acid batteries that uh, it's not the capacity of the battery that you can't uh, drop, it's the voltage. Uh, I remember reading something about if you have a 12-volt car battery and you discharge it below uh, 11 volts, uh, you better recharge it before it dies and batteries that actually got below 10 volts in use um, and then had that voltage across the terminals once you took the load off were um, fairly good chances you may have already killed them. Um, it's not the capacity, the amp hours, it's the actual terminal voltage measured across the battery. Interesting. Um, I think as, as a service to this group here, and to further make this time that we're spending worthwhile, um, we're going to look into some of the questions that have been asked and see if we cannot get uh, better or more definitive answers on some of them. Um, otherwise, it's sort of like a bunch of blind, uh, uh, sort of like uh, we're just feeling our way uh, around and not having any definitive information. We'll try to get the resources, actually, and uh, quotes and uh, reference links for some of these answers. So thanks a lot to everybody for answering or asking these uh, some of the tough questions. I don't know many of the answers myself, and an awful lot of it comes from just experience of, of that we've each experienced in our own areas, uh, in in the bench and field operations that we do. Okay, before we wrap things up officially, one final call for any last question that you might like to get in before we uh, uh, pull the plug here tonight. Uh, I've got one. Okay, go ahead, Dennis. Um, I unfortunately joined in the, the group uh, a little bit late, so I don't know if you guys covered the topic of uh, lead-acid battery maintainers. Uh, did you guys address that at all? Maintainers as in trickle charger? Well, actually, the, 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 there is charging, there's... Uh, low charge, there's trickle charge, and then there's actually something called maintaining, uh, which most trickle chargers won't do. A trickle charger can actually overcharge uh, um, a lead-acid battery, but maintainers don't. So I was wondering uh, if you want me to throw in a comment about that, or did somebody else already mention it? Over. No, we didn't, and it sounds like you got about most of the comment in. Why don't you go ahead and finish it off? Oh, okay. Um, a while ago, I discovered uh, something called a battery maintainer, which are used on just about any uh, lead-acid battery. Uh, they won't charge the battery, but when you have a battery that is reasonably well-charged, it will keep the battery at that level without overcharging it. And what I discovered is these things on a 12-volt 
typical 12 volt battery the maintainer puts out about 16 volts but it's got a fairly large resistance in series about if I have vaguely a number in the order of 50 to 80k rings a bell um, but what it does is it keeps the battery cells from self-discharging without overcharging them and I have a couple of friends that I have provided with the, this information to and have used the maintainers on for example, I have a friend who's got about seven vehicles, three of them in New York and four of them down in Virginia, and he's got the maintainers on the vehicles that he's not currently driving, and he has batteries that have sat all winter long without being recharged. Uh, they were properly charged before he put the maintainers on them, and in the spring uh, went out as soon as it uh, got warm enough to try and start the vehicles they all started first shot and all of the batteries were still fully charged and one of them he tried to start which was in very cold weather uh, kicked over like a brand new battery and he said the battery that when in that vehicle was already five or six years old but he now agrees with me that the maintainers were what did it okay over. okay that sounds that sounds good Dennis and I'm, I'm it's probably good for uh, batteries, uh, automobile batteries, and I think that's a technique that also some of the more modern battery chargers, such as those from Maha um, and elsewhere, uh, employ. So in addition to trickle charging, they temporarily cycle at a low level just to make sure that uh, uh, it doesn't get overcharged and, and, and just uh, maintains the, the, the terminal voltage there properly and the charge capacity properly. Okay, let's uh, let's wrap things up. We wanted to complete this at the top of the hour. We're pretty close to it, but we're getting better every time. Thank you one and all for attending this, uh, this evening's session of Chat with the Designers. We had a lively discussion with uh, reference to battery chargers. I want to thank Joe Everhart, N2CX, uh, very much for his reference material beforehand and uh, good exam uh, good descriptions of of things leading along the way as well as everybody else who contributed this was a this was a very informative session here tonight from my perspective and i appreciate everybody sharing their experience and uh, and bruce your help again with uh, co-hosting try hosting um, much appreciated and um, one of the things that i i really look forward to a lot when Tuesday evenings roll around is the cumulative experience that everybody brings to the table. This session was designed to be a um, uh, a share, kind of like a round table sort of discussion that you would have <clears throat> at a at a club meeting or some other kind of meeting of hams. We're talking about a given topic, and a lot of people bring different views or different experiences to the table that help um, uh, everybody else understand better or different ways that they um, uh, they're able to use that technology or build a circuit or operate the radio so this is one of the joys that i really find in meeting every week here and uh, joe and i and and uh, bruce and others are 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 going to be here next week and the week after and the week after for different topics um, next week we have planned i think uh, stealth antennas. We're going to be coming back to the uh, ever-popular antenna topic um, and discussing various techniques that some of us have found useful in the stealth area 
uh, for raising and using antennas in restricted areas and restricted uh, deed uh, properties while on the road, in uh, hospitals, in high-rise apartments, at, at work. Um, how do you get that signal out? Oftentimes it's not the most efficient way to do it, but at least you get out and that's some of the goal. So thank you one and all for attending this evening chat with the designers. This is uh, uh, George N2APB and Joe N2CX and Bruce N1RX. Thanking everybody for your attendance and hope to see you next week. Same time, same station. Bye-bye now. Yeah.